Well, it's great to see everyone again this morning. Uh, I was away last Sunday. I missed one Sunday. It felt like a month. I guess that's a good thing. And I heard great reports about uh, last Sunday service. Were you here? Did, was that a good, great day? <clears throat> awesome. I was at uh, the Wesleyan Super Bowl. Uh, every four years, we have a general conference which invites people, Wesleyans from around the world. And uh, we have the, the conference, uh, the, our big one. And uh, they move it around in different places every four years. This year it was in Buffalo. And uh, so I was down there for our, for our meetings, which uh, also went well. And uh, so that's where I was last week. Speaking of Super Bowl of meetings, ours uh, is tomorrow night. Our annual meeting here at Moncton Weston is tomorrow night, begins at 6.30. And we start, last year we started a new tradition, which uh, I think has been one of our better ideas that we've ever had here in the history of Moncton Weston Church, uh, serving pie at the annual meeting. And then uh, our communications director, Shane Grant, uh, put some creative juice on that, and he's calling it pie and charts. Get it? Pie charts, pie, pie and charts. So the annual meeting is now called pie and charts, and that's tomorrow night. Uh, we begin with finances at 6.30, and then the regular meeting at 7, and so you should come a little early and uh, pick out a piece of pie and a cup of coffee and uh, just uh, enjoy the, the evening looking at uh, all the great things that God has been doing here at Moncton Western Church. It really is a celebration. That's what it's meant to be. Now, maybe you're wondering, where is he going to get pie for all those people? And I'm so glad that you asked. Because <clears throat> this is your opportunity. I need 15 pies. I need 15 pies for tomorrow night. They can be homemade or store-bought. We really don't, uh, really, just a pie. We just need a pie. Need 15 of them. So who's coming, or even if you're not coming, but you'll bring a pie and help us out. And you may as well raise your hands because the service can't go on until I get, <clears throat> till I get 15. Joyce, who's counting here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, oh, we're, we're good on that half of the church, but bring them, bring them, bring them, don't, bring them, Nancy, and back here, great, 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 we're good, we're good to go, thank you, awesome, see, that's how you get pie, <clears throat> right there, good stuff, pie in church tomorrow night, uh, if the weather happens to warm up, if we, uh, it's like, this is, this is a Graham and Ann kind of summer. It comes on Saturday afternoon for about two hours. This is, what, this is what we're having. But if it does happen to warm up and you go to the cottage or camping or whatever, I want you to know again this year that we at Moncton Weston, we are not taking the summer off, okay? So if you drive in from wherever for church, if you make an extra effort to get here, we're going to give you the best possible summer service that we can give you. It'll be worth the drive to come to church. And uh, I, want to, I want to encourage you and tempt you to not get out of the routine of, of church because you need this and we need you and it's good for you to stay plugged in and not just kind of check out and then, you know, come back in September or October or Christmas or whatever and try to just, just stay dialed in uh, to what God is doing and it's good for your spiritual life as well. Leonard Anderson will be back preaching with us on July 31st. <laughs> Leonard Anderson. <clears throat> Okay, that's enough. That's, keep them humble. Keep them humble. I don't want to tell them, oh, I announced your name, and the place went nuts, and they were running in the aisles and spilling their coffee and all that. 
Uh, Lennett has uh, preached uh, for the, in the summer, the last two summers, he's coming back third time this year, and he really genuinely feels uh, like this is his second home, his second church. He loves coming, and uh, so we look forward to the preacher, preacher Lennett Anderson here. Um, this series that we're in for uh, the month of uh, June is called Anchors, and we're focusing on the heavy truths of our faith, the things that that hold us in place spiritually, and they keep us from drifting. The really big things that you attach your faith to. You know, when someone asks you, well, why do you believe that? Why do you believe the things that you believe? You can point to these anchors. When the, when the doctor gives you bad news, you grab hold of one of these anchors of your faith. When you get a, a text or a phone call that changes your life forever, you, you need an anchor to hold on to. When you leave home and go to college, that you would have an unshakable faith in college, uh, rooted deep in the truths of Jesus, rooted deep in the truths of God's word, because God's word is not shaky. It doesn't drift. It can stand up to any test. God's word has always outlived its adversaries. It's done it for centuries, and it's going to do it long after you and I are gone. And one of the great anchor texts of the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's like Paul just keeps throwing out, the, in 1 Corinthians 15, he just keeps throwing these massive anchors of truth overboard. It's absolutely loaded. He uses words in this chapter like, like stand firm. <laughs> it's a little, in, this is a rabbit trail, but sometimes when I do that kind of stuff, I have Pastor Buckingham preaching in my head. Stand firm by the word. Now you know what really goes on in my head. And a lot of you don't even know. They're like, who's Pastor Buckingham? Anyhow, um, one of my great mentors, and I have no idea where I am. All right, Paul uses words like stand firm. He uses words like most important. He talks about being planted and rooted and grounded, bearing the right fruit. He talks about being certain. I mean, if you need a word going off to, to college, it's, it's the word certain, certain of these truths. And then at the end of the chapter, he throws out like the biggest anchor of them all, it seems, and he, he encourages us to be strong and immovable in our faith. Strong and immovable. So what we're going to do, it's a very long chapter, and uh, we're going we're gonna to do it in bookends this morning. We're going to do a few verses on the front end, and we're going to do a few verses on the back end, and uh, that's, that's what we're going to do. So a little bit on the front end, and uh, we'll get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, Now, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters of Moncton Wesleyan, of the good news I preached to you before, you welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was, what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. And here it is. This is the big anchor. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, 
After he rose from the grave, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers, and at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I, Paul says, am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So the big anchor that Paul throws out, the anchor that, that, that he's going to attach his life to, his ministry to, all of his teaching to, he attaches his reason for, for being, his reason for, for living, his reason for persevering under persecution, his hope and his faith and his mission to share Jesus to the ends of the earth, Paul attaches it all to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the resurrection of Jesus that completes the story, the, the story in Scripture. It's the resurrection that, that connects all of, the, all of the dots of Scripture. It's, it's God's exclamation point. It brings meaning to God's story, and it brings meaning to our story. All of history is his story. It's all God's story. From the beginning of creation through our fall and our sin and our selfishness, our wandering and our, our constant sacrifices trying to pay for our sins, all of our striving and struggling and our need for a relationship with a Savior who could once and for all set us free from our sin. Paul says that there is one big anchor, the biggest anchor of them all, the anchor of all anchors in God's story. This anchor, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this anchor is strong enough to hold a titanic worth of doubts and questions. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the big anchor. In verse 2, he says this. He says, it is this good news that saves you if you continue. You know, if you've got your, your text out this morning and, you, and you're looking for something to, to underline or, or highlight in your, in your scripture, those words, if you continue, if you continue, if you live every day in the truth of this message, it saves you. It's, it's good news. It's, it's like you're not, you don't just, you know, agree with the resurrection. You don't just kind of nod to it and say, I, I guess, you know, it, it, it kind of it, it kind of happened. You live, you continue in this truth each and every day. Because Jesus was, was resurrected, because he broke the power of sin and the grave, we can be spiritually resurrected. Our lives can be resurrected like the people that you saw being baptized this morning. Kyle's life is resurrected. In he, He's made new. He's, he's, he's brought from death to life because of the power of Jesus Christ. You can be spiritually resurrected and you can spend eternity in heaven with Christ. If, if, you, if you know this to be true, if, if, if this is the way that you live, Paul says, if you continue in this daily, if you continue in this, then, then death is not your destination. Death is a, it's, it's just a door, but it's not a destination. A coffin is not your container. Paul says, for those who continue in this, there is, there is infinite power in the cross of Jesus Christ. You'll be resurrected. You'll be given a new life. You'll spend eternity with Christ in heaven. There is, there is hope for any situation in the empty grave of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Some of you need to hear that. Some of you... Some of you just need to hear that because maybe you came into church this morning without any hope. 
or not much hope. And you're wondering, you watch the news this morning and you see the shootings in Orlando and it just seems some days like the world is coming apart at the seams. But you need to hear today that there is hope for any situation because the, the grave of Jesus Christ is empty. He's not there. He's not dead. So if that's true, then where you are is not where you need to stay. Anything is possible in Jesus Christ. God can do anything in your life. Your condition is temporal. It's not terminal in Jesus Christ because he can resurrect anything. He can breathe new life into any situation regardless of how hopeless you thought it was or you think it is sitting here right now this morning. <laughs> terminal is for people with no hope and Leafs fans. Oh, that, that'll preach. Someday, your present container, this thing right here, someday your, your, your earthly container is going to expire. You're not just perspiring or aspiring. You're also expiring. Tick, tick, tick. Isn't that a happy thought? Right? If Jesus is Lord of your life, someday you are going to fly when you die and kiss this world goodbye. If Jesus is Lord of your life. In passing away, for people who are in Christ, we say that they passed away. Passing away is just passing over or passing through for people who are in, who are in Christ because there's hope. You'll receive a new body. You get to trade in your broken down clunker. I've got one of those. I did four hours of yard work yesterday and I feel awful. You get to trade in your broken down clunker for a new model that will never rot, rust, decay, backfire, break down, ache or sniff. There is no disease in heaven because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He makes all things new. There will be no cancer, no blindness, no deafness, no wheelchairs. The resurrection is proof that one day God will heal every pain and we will be set free eternally from the brokenness of this fallen world. If we're all searching for meaning, and everybody is at some point in their life, if we're all searching for meaning, meaning and purpose are found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the hope of the cross, and without hope that my life can be resurrected, that I can die to my sin, that my chains can be broken, without any hope of eternity with Christ in a fully resurrected state, then there is no meaning. And that's why this is such good news. Well, let's skip ahead temporarily to verse 58. I, just, I need to connect this. It's no wonder that Paul says this in verse 58. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We're going to come back to that. The reason you should be strong and immovable, the reason why you can be strong and immovable is because you can be grounded in the unshakable truth of Jesus Christ. And because it is true, because the resurrection of Jesus is true, you can, it, it's worth positioning your life around. You can work 
enthusiastically for the Lord because everything you do for Jesus Christ matters. Whatever you give for Jesus matters. Whatever you share in Jesus' name matters. Whatever you, however you care for someone else, whatever you pour out, however you serve, however you love, encourage, whatever you build up in Jesus' name matters. It's not useless. You should be jumping out of your seats right now saying, Pastor Tim, how can I serve at Moncton Wesleyan? How do I, how do I get involved in God's work? Because you, it, it matters. Work enthusiastically. Don't ever give up because we're, we're, we're changing lives. We're, we're being Jesus to the least of these. All right, that, uh, we're going to come back to 58. We're not quite done with the first bookend. I got ahead of myself. But let's go back to verse 3 where Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. There's a pattern in this, in this text that Paul gives us about the life of Jesus Christ. He says he, was, he died, he was buried, he was risen, and he was seen. Died buried, risen, seen. Can you say that with me? Died, buried, risen, seen. The same pattern needs to be true in our lives. Dying to my old self, surrendering my life, Tim Guptill's life, to Jesus Christ. Don't forget to die daily. It's the only way to live. Buried, the symbol of baptism, fully submerged in the grace of God. The depth of my sin, immersed in, in God's love and the depth of God's love. Power washed by the all-sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. Made new. See, before Jesus, it's not like I was sick or a little off or had a sniffle. I was a dead man in need of a resurrection. Dying to myself, being buried, burying my sin in the depth and the, and the grace of Jesus Christ, and then being raised, being filled with new life in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, every part of my life being renewed and restored daily, walking with Jesus, growing with Jesus, becoming more like him every day, and then seen. Died, buried, raised, and then seen. Letting my light shine for Jesus Christ. A new life in Jesus is evidence of the resurrection. Think about that. If you have trusted and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been made new, and your life should be evidence. You should be seen as evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in this text that people who saw Jesus, when they saw the resurrected Jesus, he was dead, and everybody knew he was dead, and he was buried, and everybody knew that he was buried. They couldn't, they couldn't produce a body, and then the resurrected Jesus starts showing up in places. Hey, it's me. 
and they feel the, his wounds, and they, they see it's really him, and they, they act, and they feed him, and the food doesn't pour out of him. They have breakfast with him on the beach, and they believe because 500 and some people can't all have the same hallucination. And, and because they saw the resurrected Jesus, they believed. And people can see your resurrection and believe. They can see the difference that Jesus is making in your life. Your life is evidence of the resurrection. And we invite people to Moncton Wesleyan to come and see. That's the vision of Moncton Wesleyan. We're people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. We invite people to see. What do we invite them to see? It's not lights. It's not the lights. It's not the band. It's not, oh, come see our auditorium or anything like that. That's, that's, that's all rubbish, really, in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. We invite others to come and see Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Come and see, like, like if you invite people to church and they don't see Jesus, what are we doing? No, it wasn't rhetorical. Somebody could have answered and said, nothing, Pastor. You're like, really though, right? We invite people to come and see Jesus in our lives, in our church, in our worship, in our preaching. It's all for him. It's all about him. Okay, now to the other bookend. We're going to pick it up again in verse 50. Where he says, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters. Notice how he uses that phrase, dear brothers and sisters. I, I love it. Uh, he uses it several times here. Is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to leave the planet someday if you know Christ as your Savior, but you're not taking this thing with you. Our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, <laughs> this would have been a great time to have somebody standing at the back with a trumpet. <laughs> They're to come right unglued. That would have been awesome. <laughs> for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. Those who are sleeping in church will wake up. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, does it ever. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. How about throwing out anchors? So, my dear brothers and sisters of Moncton Wesleyan, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Wow. Paul gives us another one of these God's over-the-top, unbelievable, we-don't-deserve-it transactions. You've heard me say before, those of you who have been here some, you've probably heard me say that you'll never get a better offer than grace. You get a better offer than grace, I'd love to know about it, but you'll, I don't think you'll ever get a better offer than God's grace. This one is close. 
Someday you're going to get to trade in your current body. God is going to give you the ultimate upgrade. A fully, he's going to give you a fully immortal, imperishable body. And I love trading up. I love getting a newer model with less miles. Anyone else? Newer, give me a newer model with less miles. Newer materials and the latest gadgets and all the gizmos. If I had unlimited money, I would trade up all the time. I'd be down to Campbell's every other week driving them crazy. Heaven is like trading in my 10-year-old minivan on a brand new Porsche 911. Turbo. This broken down bag of bones with all of its aches and pains every day. It was not designed for the perfect holiness of God's heaven. They're not compatible. This thing is not compatible with, with the splendor and the majesty and the holiness of God's heaven. So I'm not taking it with me and I'm quite okay with that. Keep that comparison in your mind here for a moment. And let's apply it to our lives right now. When you invite the holy God of the universe into your life, think about this. When you accept Jesus Christ, the, 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 the blameless Son of God, the perfect Son of God, when you invite him into your life, the holiness of God and the sinfulness of your old nature are no longer compatible. Those two do not get along. They're not meant to, to, to you know, make a deal and, and coincide. They're just, they're just not meant. Just as you cannot take the old you into heaven, you can't live with the old you here on earth either. If you invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, if you fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ, salvation is the ultimate upgrade. And because of that, don't settle for a rat rod faith. You know what a rat rod is, where they take all the old parts and they keep it looking kind of garbagey and everything else, and it's part old and it's part new. You can be totally new in Jesus Christ. The old you can be gone forever. Don't hang on to the old you. Go for the full restoration. Be made new. In verse 51, he mentions the secret. And, and, and by secret, Paul means, he just means this is something that otherwise could not be known apart from the revelation of God. In other words, God helped Paul to see this and understand it through his spirit and through his word. And he says this, we will not all die. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ could come back right now. It means that Christ could return while some in this room are still alive. Now the mortality rate is still hovering around 100%. But Jesus could come at any moment. And Paul uses words in verse 52 like moment and blink. And they actually mean fractions of time that are so small they cannot be divided anymore. We're down to the, the quickest possible amount of time and in that kind of a moment in a flash with no notice a trumpet will sound Jesus will return for those who know him and we will be out of here any time now Lord would be good with me the sound of the trumpet why a trumpet I don't know but the sound of the trumpet was uh, used several times in the Old Testament as a sign of the Lord's victory. And the prophet uh, Isaiah and the prophet Joel and the prophet Zephaniah, they all prophesied about the signal of the final trumpet blast. I remember one night in Bible college, I was laying in my bunk in the top bunk, and the window was open. And uh, if you know where Kingswood University is in Sussex, the highway, the Trans-Canada, I think it runs right behind the school. And one night I was laying there thinking about... Uh, some pretty heavy, heavy-duty stuff. And a tractor-trailer came down over the hill, laid on his Jake, Jake break, and I thought Jesus was coming. 
I've lived through several people's predictions of when Jesus will return, and so have you. Here's what Jesus said about it himself in Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31. Jesus said this, and then at the last, the sign that the Son of Man, that's a term that he liked to use for himself, is coming, will appear in the heavens. There will be deep mourning among the people, all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven, and we will be out of here. Verse 53. Paul says our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Some days it seems as though death is winning, but don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Death is not winning. And in this, we're all moving together towards a glorious climax when death will once and for all be extinguished for those who are in Christ Jesus. Death doesn't win. Jesus wins. Now don't miss these. There are three resurrection anchors here in this, in this, in this text. I'm, I'm going to land the plane here with, with these, th these things. Three resurrection anchors. You have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have the resurrection of, of my life, your life and salvation that we saw here in, this morning in baptism. And then the final resurrection when we will be completely transformed for eternity with Jesus Christ. This is what God does. This is who God is. He raises us up. He restores and he rebuilds. He makes things new. He takes our sin and our death and our pain and our mess and our junk and he infuses it with his glory, his power, his holiness, his eternal providential plan of redemption. He breaks chains. He unlocks prison doors. He releases captives. He regenerates. He brings new birth. He brings life out of ashes. He removes our shame. He adopts us into his family. He covers us with his blood. You cannot outsin the grace of God. His grace is like water. It flows to the lowest point. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, God can restore your soul this morning. He can make something beautiful out of your life. Death does not have the final word. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. There is no better offer than the resurrecting power of Jesus transforming your life as a free gift of the grace of God. This is an anchor that the world cannot take away. The world cannot take this anchor away. Attach your faith to this unchanging truth of God. Get this rooted deep in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul that God raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead and God rescued me. God is a resurrecting God. There is always hope. He can heal. He can change. He can fix. He can restore any situation. Jesus stepped out of the tomb so that you could stand on this truth. The tomb is empty so that you don't have to be. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. I need Tia back out on the stage to wrap that.
The chapter starts with victory and it ends with victory. With Paul saying that his death is our victory. And you need that anchored deep in your soul so that you can be an overcomer. You are an overcomer. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God prepares a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows with blessings. His goodness and his mercy pursues you all the days of your life. You will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalm 23. Paul says in verse 58, to be strong and movable, working with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm for the Lord, not begrudgingly, not because, oh, why am I picking up after those people? Enthusiastically, abounding. Paul meant that we should be constantly giving ourselves to God's work, never unplugged from what God is doing. It's not in vain because Jesus is not in the grave. Ministry matters because Jesus is alive. Resisting temptation matters because Jesus is alive. Becoming more like Jesus matters because Jesus is alive. Holding on to this anchor of your faith in Jesus Christ, holding on to your faith in the university classroom matters because Jesus is alive. When your professor is telling you there is no hope, there is no good, this is all just a big cosmic collision, you hold on to your faith that Jesus Christ is alive. Don't let go. Because of Christ's victory, your faith is not in vain. If you're here this morning and you've been losing hope, I want you to be encouraged today. If you've stopped praying about something, I want you to get back in the battle and keep believing. If you're still on the outside of following Jesus, you're looking in, you're listening, but you've not ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to trust him today. I invite you to anchor your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you again this morning for your word, and it's alive. And I thank you, Jesus, for your presence that's here. You are alive. And I know, God, that you're speaking to many who are here uh, this morning, just inviting them to trust you, inviting them to follow you, inviting them to to come back, inviting them to, to hold on to you. And so, Lord, this morning, as we give this, this invitation to respond to your truth, if there are some here this morning who, who just need to grab hold of your truth as an anchor in their life, then I pray that you'd give them the, the courage to do that. If there are some here this morning who have been drifting, they've just been drifting spiritually, and they need to come back and get anchored. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to do that. If there are some here this morning who have been losing hope, maybe giving up, God, I pray that you'd remind them this morning that this world is so temporary and heaven is eternal. And I pray that you would fill them with hope this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here today who has not ever accepted you as their Savior, <laughs> but they want to, they need to, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage to make that most important decision today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.